So I grew up in Sitka, an island in southeast Alaska, alongside one of my best friends, who's my same age, and my life twin, named Elena. And so Elena and I um, were alike in so many ways. We both had little sisters who were the same age that we liked to boss around. I mean, set an example for. Um, we were both part Alaska Native of Clinkett Heritage, but you can't really tell. Obviously, I have blonde hair, she has red hair. We both were on the dance team. We both had the same summer jobs. Um, we both really liked to speak Spanish, and we took Spanish all four years of high school and then studied it into college. We were both really independent, really outgoing, had our shit together. And Elena and I um, had a life plan our senior year of high school. We were going to go to college, we were going to graduate and do the Peace Corps abroad for two years, and then we were going to do graduate school. And then we were going to have kick-ass careers. And children and family were not in this plan. So it was all going according to plan. We both graduated from college in different states, but we both ended up applying to the Peace Corps. And I was accepted and I served in Nicaragua and Central America, and Elena served in Peru in South America. Hey. <laughs> Um, so I went to visit her in Peru during um, our services for Christmas one year. We traveled all around Peru. It was amazing. And we went to her um, town where she was a small business development volunteer. And I met her Peace Corps boyfriend, who's a Peruvian named Jose, who didn't speak English, which is fine because I was fluent in Spanish. And I really got to know him over the five days I was there. But then when I said goodbye, um, I didn't really think I would ever see him again. Because as Elena and I both knew, and Jose probably knew, Peace Corps relationships don't usually last once Peace Corps is over. Um, so I ended my service in Nicaragua as a health volunteer, and I moved back to Alaska. And I was um, living and working in Juneau. When Elena calls me on Skype, she's still in Peru, and she's a little distraught. Um, she has some unexpected news for me. Her and Jose are pregnant, which Peace Corps does not allow. So it was sort of a bombshell. Um, and she's upset. I'm upset. And I, I'm ashamed to say this now, but I was pretty pissed. Because our life plan was being thrown out the window. <laughs> Who was going to be my roommate in graduate school? Um, I almost took off my friendship ring, which I'm still wearing today, and threw it on the ground. <laughs> um, but I tried to be strong. And so Elena and Jose eventually decided to keep the baby, and they got engaged. And Peace Corps let her finish out her um, couple months left in service, which was very nice of them. And they applied for a fiancé visa for Jose from the U.S. government. And that required Elena to go back to the U.S. while he was waiting for the visa. And lo and behold, she accepted a job in Juneau. So the team was back together again. Me and Elena were living in the same town. And uh, I became her stand-in fiancé, and it was wonderful. Um, we <laughs> so I, uh, it was a year of record snow. This is uh, 2012 in Juneau. So I shoveled the driveway. I um, drove her places. I baked her chocolate chip cookies because she needed her strength because she's making a baby. And <laughs> I accompanied her to birth class, where I think people thought we were a lesbian couple which we both thought was hilarious, and we didn't bother to correct them. And the arrival of Jose was far off and in the distant future, and um, I was in no hurry to change the status quo. And uh, so the um, arrival date of her baby approaches, and it becomes clear that Jose's visa is not going to come in time, that she's going to have to give birth without him there. 
And so being an independent strong woman, she makes a birth plan, and that includes a doula, which is like a birth assistant, and her mother will also be there. Her mom will come over from Sitka. And uh, Jose will Skype in from Peru. <laughs> and I don't know if any of you have ever been to Peru, but the internet's not that great, <laughs> and the electricity's not that great. So they had to, you know, buy a laptop, get him set up with internet. And Elena's mom, um, who spoke no Spanish, um, was going to be the one who was kind of the translator. <laughs> and her and Jose, her and Jose like to communicate with sign language. Me and Elena didn't really think they understood each other, but they thought it was great. So that was the plan. I was not part of the plan, so I was a little put out. Um, I had done all this work, I was her stand-in fiance, and then in the end I was not part of the plan, but I was still gonna be there to support her. The night of um, her labor pains start, they go to the birth center. She was gonna do this naturally without any drugs. Her mom comes over from Sitka. Um, I came over the next afternoon, she was still in labor, and I'm reading um, The Hunger Games out in the lobby because that was popular at the time. And her mom comes out and pokes her head out the door and um, in her sweet little voice, she's about half my height, she's like, Penny, I think we need you to come in and um, help let Jose know what's going on. We have to go to the hospital. Elena wasn't progressing and they needed to go there and do an epidural. And the um, sign language wasn't working to get this through to Jose on Skype. And so I basically jump up and sprint past Elena's mom. I mean, I've been waiting for this moment for them to call me in. <laughs> and I come in the room, and Elena is basically in her own world, in pain. The doula is focused on her. Elena's mom had been told not to talk too much, um, you know, and was being quiet. And there's Jose on this mini little Dell laptop, um, distraught in a dark room in his house in Peru. He hadn't slept since the night before. He had been crying. He didn't know what the heck was going on. And so I start translating. I'm like, tenemos que ir al hospital, van a poner un epidural, which I guess is also the same in English as in Spanish. <laughs> and I'm like, no te preocupes, voy a estar aquí todo el tiempo. And so I could instantly see him start calming down because he knew me, I knew him. Um, and I realized that I was there to help provide him um, a space into what was going on there. And so the birth plan was thrown out the window. I was there the whole time. And as I was translating um, the doctor's orders as it went, as it kept going, I could just see the stress in his eyes. And if any of you have ever witnessed a birth or been at a birth, you know how disempowering that is as a spectator. Um, there's someone you love and know who's going through a bunch of pain that you can't do anything about. And you have to be strong for them and you have to be patient. And I can only imagine how this was thousands of miles away when you're watching the future mother of your baby go through this um, on a computer screen. So I was trying my best to translate. The electricity kept going in and out. The Wi-Fi kept going in and out. And it came time for the baby to come out. I don't think Elena really kno knew what was going on this whole time, but she knew Jose was still kind of there. The laptop was there. I'm holding it, you know, showing him everything. Um, and so the time comes for the baby to come. So I position myself right in between her legs with the laptop <laughs> of my life twin. <laughs> and I'm pointing it right in there. The baby pushing the doctor out of the way because Jose needs to see his new baby. And her baby, her daughter Leah comes out and they put her up on Elena's chest. And the baby's crying and Elena's crying and I'm running around with the laptop to get right up in her face. And Jose's crying and I'm crying and I realize there's nothing left to translate. 